Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. Joseph here with Jesse. And hello, Joseph. Hello, Jesse. We're at Conduit and we have the most amazing is, mason is, jar. There we, go. there we go. I wanted the beans to jingle. The most delightful, delightful um, experience today. Mm. We're going to be enjoying some Yemen coffee. Uh, and we've enjoyed Yemen coffee before. I feel like this is a, a little bit of a special one in a different way. Um, it's they're from always someone, special. They're, they're, yeah. That's true. They're always special. So this one is just a little bit unique in that um, it's from a producer we haven't had Yemen from before. Uh, it's a you know it's a high quality single farm you know origin Yemen, and uh, it came to me in the form of green coffee. So I actually got this a few months ago, and I couldn't roast it. Uh, and of course, we wanted to have it on the show, so um, yeah, we just we just brewed it up on the Kalita Wave, and now now we're gonna now we're gonna oh, no. be enjoying it. Yes, thank you. Um, so before we get into it, oh yes, before we get into it, and uh, we're gonna do some smelling of the ground and the brew and all that sort of thing. Uh, this coffee comes from mocha hunters and uh i actually i I did a story with with uh, these folks um particular hussein ahmed uh, is the uh founder of the company uh, a couple years ago 2016 i think it was maybe it was 2017 uh beginning beginning of that year um and uh it was really exciting to me to find someone else who was enthusiastically you know trying to work on yet the yemen Coffee production and bringing that. Well, right, because we've had a lot of experience working with Mokhtar and, yep. and that whole story, and he's gained incredible notoriety since all that started in the last three years. That's um, true, uh, which and, is really great. Uh, Porto Mocha is huge in the specialty coffee industry and in, in the United States. What uh, I'm excited about is to have some other. I've only had uh, Mokhtar's coffee. Yes, um, Yemen wise. Recently, well, uh, well recently, like yeah. in, in any like since I bought that bag. That's true. Which was. Three years ago, yeah, <laughs> it was when when I physically got to meet Mokhtar for the first time after right. the end of that book. I'm really excited because uh, this is just beautiful coffee. Uh, so before we get into it, just to say a little bit about um, Mocha Hunters, they I think they're they're not uh, focusing as much on the point scale of the coffee as, as like Porto Mocha is very much like a 90 plus version of Yemen coffee. 90 plus the brand. The the brand, yes. Yeah. And because that's that's like the they're aiming for coffees above that point scale. Um, and Mocha Hunters is still doing really high quality coffee. I don't know what their approach is on that, but what really caught my eye about them was their focus on the economic equality of the Yemen people, right. uh, which has to be the most impossible-seeming challenge right now. Well, that's also, um, I mean, that's where a lot of the Yemeni coffee is coming from. Mokhtar certainly has an element of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's just real quickly, it's fascinating to see that even in the small little world of Yemen coffee, that there's that striation between, like, the 90-plus, that mm-hmm. kind of quality on flavor versus the quality on the ground for the people, and just how that the yeah. business models, there's a striation between the business models like that, and it happens everywhere in the coffee industry, but even in a small yeah. industry. Well, like I inter- my understanding is in Yemen, people don't actually usually drink coffee. Uh, if they drink something, it's kishir, which is uh, uh, sort of similar to Kaskara. I think it uses a slightly different... Um, a uh, slightly different part, or maybe more of the husk and less of the dried fruit, or something like that. So it's not a roasting process. Uh, no, no, it's, it's like the, it's, it's a dried tea, yeah. portion of the discarded. Like the original way the coffee is probably consumed, right. eating the delicious little caffeinated cherries. Uh, but I just wanted to, to read a quote from uh, Hussein Ahmed that I had in in this issue, and uh, I'll I'll share uh, in the extended show notes. 
if you'd like to download this issue for free, I'll put that in there. Uh, from Hussein Ahmed, and this was in the issue. We are a normal nation of very peaceful people. Yes, we have a different culture, background, and language, but that's what makes the human race rich. Most of us, 99.9%, .9 are very good people. We work hard, we have families, just like any other people. Violence exists in our society because of inequality. Those people who can't get a job and get married are easy to become victims of war, to become extremists. When you are buying high-quality coffee, it doesn't matter where it comes from. There's hard work behind it, whether the farmer, the middleman, or the exporter, etc. Sometimes the middleman takes most of the money. We strive to base our work on transparency to make all the steps and the people along the way clear. So they're doing uh, working on building economic structures that allow right. farmers to do the work and not and and allow people to actually make money doing some good things and not get sucked into And they the, say a lot of good things in there that I want to touch on, but I'm not waiting anymore yeah, to sure. drink this coffee. Goodness. Oh, what is it? What is that smell? Oh, it smells like, oh, there's like it's, spice and It's all the sugars. And, it's, and like, this is like apple I'm getting manasses. Spice? Manasses. <laughs> all molasses the manasses. And brown sugar and caramel and... Oh. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, that's good. There's so much to talk about in this episode. Um... Wow. Uh, and and okay, so I've tasted that. I've got I've got to touch on the smell of the roasted because I opened this like before you brewed this earlier, and I was hit by like sweet bananas and melons, and um, I smell uh, I smell something like sweet cake like, like rich and chocolatey. It's kind of like fruity. an angel food cake. Yeah, like yeah, a really yeah. soft like burned sugar cake or sugar cookies or. Um, but there, it, it's like there's a giant layer of icing on it too, like just incredible sweetness and. Yeah, mm. it's milky, like a really good dairy kind of mm -hmm. lactic acid in there. Um, I think we're going to be enjoying this for a few episodes on shows where. Uh, oh man, I might just run away and take it with me. Uh, I think I'm going to elope with this jar. Maybe uh, you you might be able to get some more of the green coffee from them. Hmm. Okay, so I like I said, there's so much to talk about. The uh, the little the quote you met you read about their company. I mean, that's that's a common trend in coffee. Is how do you make the farmers better? You know, that's something I say a lot on these on my tours and visitors here. Is that, mm -hmm. but not you, all, you but not all are all farming. Uh, I guess I guess nothing. All, mm, no, go, ahead, go ahead. No, nothing's equal. No, I just <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, I feel that, and this this is be before my work in coffee, but you. When it comes to food, you can't have amazing food if you abuse the land or the people. That's true. And the best products that you're growing come from the people that are giving it the most attention and yeah. the most attention to detail and are caring about it. And coffee, there's it's so difficult to grow coffee. Mm. You know, in Yemen, these trees are producing like 10 pounds per tree at seven and a half, eight thousand feet, and they bring the coffee uphill, which is one of the few regions where they bring the the Mm -hmm. cherries and hulls up the hill to the processing on top where the ancient villages are um, and what they say is that there's hard work behind all of it and I think that that's certainly true in my experience with the small business but the coffee is so much hard work from I mean at the producer level for sure and it just the amount of skill it takes to get into coffee and make a good cup of coffee it's, it's ridiculous you know and it's something we take for granted and so yeah. I think that tasting a coffee like this just underscores how beautiful it can be and the hands that touch it and why all that's so important and the trend I'm not trying to diminish their trend but there's definitely no. a trend in, in reducing the amount of money dollars effort taken out by the middlemen mm -hmm. and that direct trade traceability and that kind of stuff um, yeah I, and I've what, definitely definitely seen that for sure. and what we're seeing is that relationship is exponentially increasing the value of the coffee yeah. to the farmers 
I think part of the part of the reason why the the uh, money is coming out of the middleman so much is because there's this awkward balance of on the end on the on the consumer's end, there's this massive expectation on you like pay a buck for a cup of coffee, right? Or even you pay four dollars for a, a fine brewed cup when maybe something like this should be four times as much uh, to justify its yep. production. And how do you how do you bridge that gap? Uh, you know, we have that episode idea that we're mm. going to talk about coming up um, called right. Voting With Your Dollar. And that's right. basically kind of what I have in mind for discussing that. Because it's it's amazing what that difference makes. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of the times the consumer individual comes to the table like this and they're like, why should I pay four times as much when I'm going to enjoy this other thing for $4? Like, um, I think that people underestimate how much they will enjoy it. Uh, they definitely do. <laughs> you know, and I think that the Mokhtar's coffee is at Blue Bottle for sixteen dollars a cup. Um, or, or you buy a what is it a, a five ounce bag for eighty bucks or something like that? Or, uh, it's or four ounces can, for thirty, I think. Right? You can you can get the subscription. It's five ounces for for thirty a month. Thirty or thirty five. Yeah. But, but get, so it's expensive. Yeah. Um, I think one thing in in a little bit of a Starbucks effect that's happening here is that we see that they're um, they're. Uh, reserve stores that they have different levels of pricing depending on the coffee and the cost of the green coffee. And that's something that I celebrate. And, and we really need to, as consumers acknowledge the fact that there's commodity grade coffee that's at, you know, cheaper places. that's just not specialty grade mm -hmm. coffee. And it's horrible for most levels of that, except for that fix that you get for a dollar. But then most coffee is, is specialty grade coffee and it's all yeah. picked by hand and the labor that goes into that you know and the more they care about it the better it tastes and I, and Yemen's a perfect example because there's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of outs and there's not a lot of effort putting on good food and good coffee even though it's such a rich region rich so uh, we've got uh, Mocha Hunter's uh, Yemen Mohassan Zahid I believe that is the farmer uh, has produced this so I've not had this farmer's coffee before um, it's really delicious super sweet um I don't want it to steal back the conversation away from choosing your dollar because we want to save that for another episode. Uh, but so, like I said, I got this green. Um, I've, since I published that article originally a couple of years ago, I've known uh, Hussein Ahmed um, and we keep in touch through like Facebook Messenger. He actually can't get into the US and hasn't been for, you know, <laughs> since certain events transpired. And, um, so we we've been we've been talking and Just he had some events. new coffee and uh, he sent sent said he'd send me some coffee and lo and behold, coffee arrives in the mail and uh, I opened the the FedEx bag and it smells like sweet bananas and I'm like that's interesting, and then I opened the bag further and it's green coffee and I'm like oh, uh, Jesse. Yep. <laughs> And that was a few months ago, and we just got around to you finally finally were able to roast it this weekend and do the Sadly, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just finding time to roast it. It was mm. finding time to roast it and do the podcast. Well, yeah, and we wanted to share it with, with uh, you know, you, the listeners, as much as we possibly can, which is to say you get to listen to us enjoy it. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I... Uh, so what's it, what's it like roasting <laughs> it in this case? Um... Well, this 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 is a totally different situation than regular roasting. Yeah, um, we only had a tiny little sample, um, like, a 200, like a two hundred gram sample. Yeah, okay. So it end, yeah, it's um, it basically ends up being to a quart mason jar worth of roasted coffee. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a tiny roaster by most standards, and it's still a tiny little batch for that. Um, fortunately, we have such a small roaster, we can actually do simple uh, sample batches pretty well in there. Um, we don't have a lot of control over the actual profile. Mm -hmm. um, 
but we can get a decent little roast you, of the coffee. Yeah, you did um, a good job with this one. It tastes fantastic. And I was nervous about this coffee because Yemeni coffees, and it's a, it's a little aged, and it's a tiny little batch, and it's a brand new coffee, tiny little beans. Um, so I did some sample batches beforehand. I took my time and roasted just 200 gram samples of other of our other coffees. Okay. I'm glad I did because yeah. there's definitely some some stuff in there. And that, um, that just to, just to dive into it a little bit, that's, you know, get, I assume you getting to know how your roaster is going to react to that small batch and how the airflow is going to do and all that. And I'll be honest, it's been a little while since I've done some sample batches that yeah. small and, um, I couldn't find my notes. <laughs> and so I remade my notes. I mean, I remember enough, but I wasn't quite sure about one thing. And so I was just right. like, let me try it out with just some of our Brazil and see what happens. And I'm glad I did because it would have been a disaster and we wouldn't have had this episode. A lot of um, a lot of larger <laughs> roasters uh, use like they actually have small sample roasters, right? Totally. Tiny little things. Totally. I mean, there's a lot of a lot that goes into that. It's um, yeah, it's fine. I rarely get the samples thinking it's it's going to be the best roast for the type of coffee or for what I'm looking for. Right. I mean, there's. People that tell me the tasting notes that are paid a lot more and a lot more skill set and a lot more education than I have on tasting those coffees. And so I trust what they're saying. You're just generally trying to get an understanding of the taste. Yeah. And this one, I just wanted to make sure we got a little bit of caramelization in there because I really want that sweetness. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel pretty good about this roast. But, I mean, roasting coffee is interesting because so much of what changes between origins, I think, and probably the biggest thing to consider for yeah, many coffees in general is that... Um, Kind of like wine grapes, like the higher altitude and the more difficult it is for them to grow, the smaller and denser they become and all that sugar and all that effort gets into a smaller and smaller seed. Um, so Hawaiian coffees that bloom and go and go and go pretty much year round, like they're big soft beans to roast and they take heat totally different than a very high altitude Ethiopian or Yemeni coffee. Um, so this coffee, I don't think it actually says on here. I don't know what the altitude is. Um, the one that we had was 2,700 meters. You know, so you're looking at 7,600 feet roughly or something like that. And it's, um, and it's, uh, that's way up there. I mean, that's higher than any mountain, any of the regular mountains here in Washington, aside from the volcanoes. Um, yeah. Which is pretty remarkable. That is. Um, and the coffee's still grown there. So it's basically a high altitude desert. Um, they're heirloom varieties and they're natural process. So they just take heat differently and they're wild coffees. Mm -hmm. um, they're really delicious. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of those factors in there and there's a lot of just kind of like nuance of just accepting what's yeah. going to happen with it. Even if I could roast it myself, uh, and we might get into that in a future episode, like I don't have a roaster, but you know, we, we're going to talk about home roasting eventually. Um, even if I could do that myself, I'm not sure I'd want to <laughs> with, with the one little sample. Right. Such a, but that's why you practice, treasure. you yeah. know, there's a lot of what, a lot of what goes into the samples. Just, it's just coffee. So you just deal with the mass and getting the heat into there. Gotcha. Yeah. I guess it's cooking is cooking. There's so many things to talk about. There are. And and we've talked about Yemen before, so this was more about, about sharing this one. One thing I thought would be interesting to, to talk about is like uh, how do you how do how does it how does a consumer go about finding a unique coffee? Like I I try to think about this every now and then because I like finding unique and different coffees. Not necessarily just like Yemen. Yeah, you can go try to find a Yemen. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I don't know how I don't know how often Yemen is more of the uh, mass-produced level of Yemen, which is notoriously, you know. Yeah, there's not a lot of coffee coming out of Yemen these no. days, so I wouldn't worry about that. But uh, on a broad scale, you can find some really interesting and unique coffees in many different mm -hmm. origins. Uh, and how does one go about finding that? 
I mean, I guess I guess the best thing to do would be to find a local roaster and, and ask. Directly. Yeah, I think it really depends on where you are. Yeah, Finding a local roaster and figuring out what they have, I think, is a good way. Uh, there's a lot of stuff online, of course, about finding that. Um, one thing with people that are traveling, I've recommended looking up the high-end espresso machines if they're in cities that they're not familiar with. Um, what do you mean? Somebody was traveling in Japan mm. or maybe in South Korea, and they asked, like, where the best coffee shops are. I don't really know that well, but I was mm. like, I know Mavam, the espresso machine company's really been popular there. Look up Mavam espresso machines. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they found four cafes in Tokyo that mm. were amazing. That's probably and, more the case with like uh, a company like Mavam or maybe maybe Slayer. Mm-hmm. That's more that's newer. Well, that's what I mean. So like, like if you can look up those brands and yeah. those those shops are probably going to have unique coffees as well. So yeah. it depends on where you are in the world and, and what you're looking for. That's true. Um, ask your roaster people because there's every every month there's mm-hmm. some new coffee I and mean, we're getting into great coffee season coming up. Yeah, I'm Me not sure. Mar- I'm not sure how much uh, Mocha Hunters is in the U.S. Um, I know that they have some some of their people in the business who are based in the u.s so that's how they're able to get me the green coffee uh, and it's obvious so obviously that's here uh I will, I will link in in the show notes to their site and if there's a place to get their coffee you yep. get it but i think they're more focusing on other places in the world right now as far as bringing yemen coffee there's a lot of coffee going all over the place and a lot of people with the money that can afford that and you know the farmers are getting paid that's the important thing hopefully um this coffee's outstanding yeah it is i don't know what more to say it's really delicious. Yeah, this is one of those coffees that you don't care what temperature it is. Like, oh, not at all. Sit, sit, if I set this on my desk and came back eight hours later, I would drink it and it would yep. still be delicious. And I'm at that moment of the afternoon where it's like, I really shouldn't be having a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. But no I can't same. put this down. I'm not going to throw any of this away. No, I think I need to offset it with some bourbon later. <laughs> oh, yes. Bourbon plus coffee. That sounds like a good show. Thank you, Joseph, for bringing this around and keeping the whole Yemen thing alive because it's really special to get this coffee. And I, I will, um, I will do as much as I can with Yemen. As long as I work in coffee, I will do everything I can to work with Yemen. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see their people thrive, and be happy and healthy, and yeah. to have great coffee coming from them as well. Um, Thank you to you guys for making the podcast possible for yeah. for listening. Yeah, and. Uh, as you always, get to try some yeah. Yemen. And check out coffeeloversradio.com for the show, the show notes, the after show, Third Crack, Patreon. You oh, know, I'm about to go in. on a diatribe in the Third there, Crack. You should listen to that. <laughs> there are so many opportunities to uh, support what we're doing now. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Catch you in the next one. Cheers. This has been Joseph. And Jesse. With Coffee Lovers Radio. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the show and sign up for our email newsletter. Also, check out our new Patreon. Links for the Patreon and shows can be found at coffeeloversradio.com. You can get basic show notes for this show at coffeeloversradio.com. And on our Patreon, you'll be able to find expanded show notes and other fun stuff, too. Coffee Lovers Radio is a partnership between Coffee Lovers Magazine and Conduit Coffee. Visit coffeeloversradio.com. Say hello and listen to our after show. The The Third third crack. Crack!